Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. We're going to talk about communication today, whether you're married, single, grandparent, parent, son, daughter, cousin, neighbor, co-worker, see what else, friend, uh, all of this applies to you. All of us have to communicate. Uh, some of us communicate by folding our arms and being silent. That's a long time for me to be silent. Yeah. My blood pressure was going up. You'll say something soon, right? Anybody, uh, don't raise your hand because they, they might be in the room, but anybody ever have somebody just give you the silent treatment? It goes like this. Or sometimes it goes like this. And they're out. They walk away. Now, ladies, let me remind you. I've said this before, and you're smart. You know this. When it comes to a man, we want to deal with stuff now. We were created to be firemen. You're on fire. We want to put the fire out and move on. Sometimes, ladies, when you're on fire, now I'm not, I know I'm generalizing, I could get in trouble here, but sometimes, ladies, when you're on fire, you want to stew a while. Huh? Let the sauce simmer. We don't want simmering sauce. We want to move, move, move on. A lot of times in life, we just don't take the time to listen to someone else when it's so vital for us. We're going to see it today, how important communication is. And even before we get to some of our main texts, let me just remind you of a story that's found in Genesis 11. It's called the Tower of Babel. And it highlights the incredible potential and power of communication. In a state of rebellion against God, the people attempted to build a tower that would reach up to heaven. In other words, we don't need you, God. We can get there on our own. And so think of all the things God could have done to them. He could have caused their sight to go blind. He could have caused their knees to buckle so they couldn't walk. He could have caused their strength out of their hands to, to, to leave them so they couldn't build the tower. But what did he do? He caused communication breakdown. He gave them all different languages. Somebody speaking Italian to the Russian. Somebody else speaking Chinese to the Japanese. Somebody speaking English, come on, or Spanglish, come on. And they couldn't communicate. And I think that's a great, great vivid picture for us to recognize that the God who could have done anything, an earthquake or a plague, actually has them in a state of inability to communicate to get along, to serve together. I, I once talked to a lady in this church, very true story. I'm not just like evangelistically speaking. This is true. She said, you know what, Pastor? Something's happened in our marriage. I said, what? Because they were on their way to divorce court. I said, what's happened? Well, since we filed for divorce, we're talking now. We're talking about where the kids will go, what weekends, we're... We're getting ready to go to mediation, so we, we thought we would talk it through. 
And as we started talking about, you know, who gets the China and how what are we going to do with the equity in the house, we've been really conversing. We've been going to Starbucks. We've been having lattes together. We've been sharing muffins together. He's even cut my muffin for me. Wow. And we've decided to back off on divorce court because we are communicating again. I thought, wow, isn't that great? We can't communicate without words. Sure, we can use our body language, but there, at some point we've got to open the mouth and speak. We can't share the gospel with the world if we don't communicate at some point. And so here's a couple of things I want you to get, and then we're really going to dive in deep at the end. I'm going to come in, slow pitch, and then we're going to go for the high hard heat. Okay, get ready. Only say what needs to be said. Don't you wish that happened everywhere? What needs to be said? Only what needs to be said, that's what needs to be said, right? Hey, how many of you know people that communicate too much? Don't, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. And don't point your finger here, because I'll get you out on time, you know. I told the 8 o'clock service, I know I'm wise to your ways. I know why you come to 8 o'clock service, because you know I have to be done by 9. And they all nodded their head in agreement, you know. And I got them out three minutes early. Woo! It was great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes bad communication or poor communication comes from just saying too much. You've ever been in a meeting, a committee meeting, or some kind of staff meeting, and somebody just keeps talking the whole time? What was a one-hour meeting becomes a five-hour meeting? Like our church council board meetings here? Come on, these guys know. Bill's on the front row. Ask him later, yeah. That's because he does all the talking. No, that's not true. That's not true. I talk a lot. Yeah. And you know what I did to help me be a better listener? I became a licensed life coach. I took 60 hours of intensive training in five days. You do the math. That's a lot of class. We did uh, scenarios and uh, we worked on coaching. I did 100 hours of pro bono coaching. Now, in mentoring, you tell people what to do. It's like a teacher in a classroom, a professor giving a lecture. But what we do in coaching is we ask the right questions to draw out what God's already saying into someone's soul. And so as we draw that out, we ask questions, but we have to listen a lot. So I actually went to get certified as a licensed life executive coach. I don't even know what that means, but I'm licensed in it. And part of the reason was to be a better listener. That's, that's why I went to the class, because I tend to just talk too much, but at least I know it. Some of you know people that talk too much and don't know it, and you're with them, and some of you are with people, and if you're a talker too muncher, and you're with someone who doesn't talk at all, God bless you. Yeah. How you doing? Fine. How you really doing? I told you I'm fine. If anything changes, I'll let you know. But, 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 but can you unpack that word, Fine. What's that mean? I'm fine, I said. Come on. I saw a couple the other day. Another true story. They were going at it. They were just going at it in public. It was horrible. This is what I said. I told you what I said. But I have a question to ask you. Stop asking questions. But I really want to know. I don't want to answer your question. I mean, in a public setting, I thought, wow, I better be quiet. Put on the coaching hat. Just listen. I know, son, just be quiet. I said, okay, I'll be quiet. Okay. Hey, look at this verse, would you, Proverbs 17, 27, because I've talked too much in my introduction. 
A truly wise person uses what? A person with understanding is even-tempered. I think it's interesting to note that Ten Commandments is 297 words. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, 118 words. The Lord's Prayer, 56 words. The Gettysburg Address, 272 words. The Department of Agriculture, <laughs> last year, needed 15,629 words to discuss the pricing of cabbage in America. What makes the difference is not the amount of words, but the right words at the right time. Proverbs 10, 19. Don't, don't, yeah, for it fosters sin. Wow. Be sensible and turn off the flow. Now, by the way, you can actually quote the Bible, New Living Testament. Quote the Bible to somebody next time. Just say this, turn off the flow. Okay. I'm not responsible for the response, but turn off the flow. Have you ever wanted to say to somebody, just turn off the flow? You have the right to do that. It's biblical. Okay, Proverbs 13, 3. Those who are, those who are what? Careful about what they say, protect their lives, but whoever speaks without thinking will be ruined. If you ever speak unfiltered, just the brain goes and the mouth talks, you'll have problems. You'll have problems. That's why I curl my toes and I tell myself this. Don't get mad at me. I tell myself this. Shut up, Bernie. Now, don't ever say shut up to someone else, but you can say it to yourself. Shut up, Bernie. Yeah, that's hard to do. Yeah. Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. And I love the words of Ogden Nash. He put a little, little simple rhyme together to this principle. He says, to keep your marriage brimming with love in the loving cup, whenever you're wrong, admit it, and whenever you're right, shut up. Isn't that good? It'll kill a marriage or a friendship. The second thing is, don't say everything you think. Don't say everything you think. Proverbs 17, 28, even dunces who keep quiet are thought to be wise. Here's a Latin proverb for you. Keep quiet and people will think you are a philosopher. <laughs> Just keep quiet, yeah. You'll have to live with the consequences, Proverbs 18, 10 says, of everything you say. If you want a healthy family, healthy friendships, healthy workplace, we should not say everything we know or everything we think. And also, number three, don't repeat everything you hear. I love it when I have friends that are a safe place. Many of you uh, just remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Wayne Cadero was here. And he's a safe place for me. And I'm a safe place for him. He could tell me stuff he's thinking or feeling, and I'll just keep it right here. For a price, though, I might share it with. No, 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 no. No, no, keep it right here. And I can tell him stuff. Every once in a while, he'll text me, how are you doing today, Bernie? Now, that doesn't mean just say fine. He, he wants me to share how I'm doing. And I'll do the same with him, and he'll share with me. And we're safe. We're a safe place for each other. Everybody needs a safe place. And let me also add this phrase to you. Everybody needs a lightning rod. You know what a lightning rod does? Lightning hits it, and it grounds it out so it has no power. And everybody needs somebody that they can just lightning rod on. Hey, 
you know, the world's coming to an end, or I want to quit my life, I want to walk away from my marriage. And, and even though that may not be true, in the moment, there are things you need to say. Everybody needs somebody that you can lightning rod on, that will ground you out, and everybody needs somebody that's a safe place where they know they won't repeat everything that they hear. I love what uh, this verse says, Proverbs 16, 28, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates best of friends. Yeah. Anybody, uh, don't raise your hand because they might be near you. Anybody know a troublemaker who just loves to plant seeds of dissension and division and discourse right in the middle of, 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 of relationship, maybe in the middle of a team, maybe in the middle of a staff meeting, maybe in the middle of a school, or in the middle of a unit on the base, or maybe in a neighborhood, or maybe in an HOA, or maybe in, you, you fill in the blank. Maybe in your home. There's always somebody who just wants to create strife. Create strife. Gossiping is when we're telling something to someone who's not a part of the problem or the solution. Gossiping is when we're telling something to someone who's not a part of the problem or a part of the solution. Yeah. I think I went ahead of you, Josh. Sorry. Gossiping is when we, oh yeah, there it is, is when we are telling something to someone who's not a part of the problem or the solution. The reason why I repeat it is because this is so essential to life. See, when we get hurt or we choose to be offended, we want to tell other people that we've been victimized. We want other people to know that we're hurting. We're lobbying for support in our corner. We're lobbying for support in our camp. And we feel that because we've been hurt, it justifies our right to gossip about the situation. But it doesn't. It doesn't. It just causes more strife. It causes people to try to pick sides. It just causes more strife. So, so here's a great statement. If the person is a part of the problem or the solution, then you can share the story with them. Otherwise, don't. Otherwise, don't. You, you got that. I don't need to give you an illustration. You got that. You're so smart. Yeah. By the way, when people gossip to you, you ever wonder what they say about you when you're not around? You know what I've learned? The people that gossip to you will later on gossip about you. They got gossipitis. They got the spirit of gossip. They got the syrupy, you know, smelly spirit of gossip. It's just, I, got, I can't, can't wait to tell everybody my stuff, you know? Listen, it does no good. Here's what I've learned. Gossip affects everybody. It hurts the listener. It hurts the speaker. It hurts the person that's being talked about this little dainty morsel of truth. Number four is really where we want to drill down today is be quick to listen and don't speak fast. Remember, God has given you two of these, right? When we speak too quick and we don't listen, you know what we're doing? We're violating the son or daughter of God. We don't listen to them. And again, as I said, I, I went to this coaching class because I just wanted to be a better listener to hear people and to speak slower, not be quick, because a lot of times that's our reaction. And social media has taught us that. You know, if you get text messages or, you know, see somebody's Instagram post or Facebook or, or, or whatever it might be, email for you older people, 
By the way, a lot of young people don't even do email. The 20-somethings, emails, like, what? You guys do email? Yeah. Oh, I see it in my inbox. I got the subject. That's it. I just don't open it. I have a little tool that lets me know if people open my email or not. <laughs> I'm surprised. I sent you the email. Yeah, I saw it. But you didn't open it. You only saw the top line. Now, here's what's really bad. If you just respond to the subject line without reading the content, you're in trouble. And so we're quick to respond. We're quick to respond. See, if you speak when you're angry, you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. Just quick. So in the old day, we used to say this, the old day, snail mail, where you actually use the post office. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah. You get bills from the post office. Uh, oftentimes, we don't get letters or cards very much anymore, do we? So here's what I would tell people in the olden days, the golden days, back uh, when the dinosaurs roamed. We would take a response, we would write it out, and we would mail it to ourselves. And if it came back in two or three days, and we still felt we needed to share the content, then we would share it. Otherwise, wow, we saved ourselves a lot of pain. Now here's what I tell people to do. If you really want to respond to something, why don't you take a day? Think about it. Pray about it. Pray again about it. And if you still feel you need to send that response, send it. And you might get this text back to them. Hey, did you get my text? Hey, hey, did you get my text? Hey, did you get my text? I had somebody in 10 minutes send me four of those. 10 minutes. They couldn't wait 10 minutes for a reply. Pastor B, blah, 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 blah. I didn't reply. Another, did you get my text? Did you get my, the last one? Ten minutes on the nose. When are you going to reply? Ten minutes. What if I'm like in the middle of an important meeting? Or like right now, my phone's over the back. I'm not texting people right now. I'll go back to the, the phone after church. I have a bunch of text messages. What were you doing? I was preaching. <laughs> How come you didn't reply to my text? Because I couldn't. You know? Does anybody, you, does anybody have this? Am I the only one? Okay, good. And feel my pain, will you? Yeah. Be careful with our communication, and especially with social media that's, that, that's driving us. James 1.19. I want you to read this with your best. I'm really getting this voice. Everyone should be... And, let's say it again. Quick to... And slow to speak. And slow to become angry. Now watch this. If you have any problem with anger, even 2% problem, like 2% milk. Notice what James is saying. This is the brother of Jesus, by the way. He watched Jesus. He watched Jesus' ministry. Matter of fact, James would be martyred for his faith in his brother. I mean, you talk about sibling rivalry, there was none here. James believed that his brother Jesus was the Messiah the Savior of the world. And he believed that after he would be martyred, that he would see his brother face to face, Jesus in glory. Just think about that. And here's what he says. This is what I know. You should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In other words, the formula for being slow to becoming angry is that you're quick to listen and that you're slow to speak. See, when you don't hear someone else and you don't understand someone else, 
and you speak quickly, you'll be ticked off, which is a Latin word for angry. Just ticked. There's another word too, and I won't use it in church. But you will be. Starts with a P. All right. You will be. The most important thing we can do is to listen quickly. James is saying this is exactly what Jesus taught. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You want to be heard? So listen. You want to be understood? So understand. Be slow. It means to wait, to hesitate. To be slow in the quantity of the words that you use. To be slow in bringing out a bunch of words. To be slow to become angry in the context of communication. The word angry literally means to draw a hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusion or conclusions. Drawing hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusions. I know what you mean. I know what you meant to say. I saw your body language. Therefore, you come to a conclusion and you get angry. But watch this. The longer you listen, the more you learn, and the less angry you will be. Come on. The longer you listen, the more you learn, and the less angry that you will be. Here's what I know. Everything everyone does makes sense to them. Catch this. Everything everyone says makes sense to them. And everything everyone believes makes sense to them. Makes sense. And you say what? I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand. And who has the problem? You do. Because you don't get it and you don't understand. But to them, it makes perfect sense. When someone gossips, it makes perfect sense. When somebody does silent treatment, it makes perfect sense. When somebody believes there is no God, it makes perfect sense. When someone's agnostic and just says, believe whatever you want to believe, it makes perfect sense to them. So here's a question that I use a lot, and it may help you. Help me to understand. I know about this. I heard you say that. I know you believe that. Would you help me understand? And you don't say it to me. Help me understand. No, just help me to understand. Huh? Or I've used this question before, statement before. When we were building, uh, adding on to this facility here, all those seats there, and when we were building this building initially, and we were building that building on the corner, I went to City Hall, and you know what I said with my blueprints under my arm? Um, I'm ignorant in this area. Would you help me? Would you teach me? Would you help me learn? Listen, when you lean into somebody who knows something you don't know, and you invite them to become your teacher, and you become the pupil, and if you do it with the right heart, nine times out of ten, they'll be happy to share their information. But if you go in there, could you imagine me walking in there? I'm the man of faith and power, anointed by the Spirit of God. We're going to build a building here, and I don't care about your, your, your planning commission or your rules. Or This is God's work. They would have drove me right out of the city hall. Oh, by the way, you know how I knew that? I learned from wisdom. Because the previous pastor who was going in there trying to build something, that's what he did. And a little lady came to me and said, oh, oh, please be nice to our, to our staff. Why? Because the last pastor wasn't. So here comes this pastor the next day. Think about it. And she gave me that word of wisdom 
be nice. I walked in, hi, thank you for serving me. Come on. Big smile, right? And I said, we have these plans. Where, where should I go? I'm ignorant. I don't know where to go and get this accomplished. Oh, let me take. They took me behind the counter. They got, you want some coffee? They offered me candy. I mean, it was so great. I had a great, I know some people say, oh, I had a lousy experience with the city. I had a great experience. Our church had a great experience. Isn't that good? You know why? Ah, because I was smart. I listened to the lady who was teaching me. Make sure you're nice, pastor. The last pastor was not very nice. So here's what I ask people. I'm I'm not certain what you believe. Would you share with me? Would you teach me? Would you help me to understand? Would you explain this to me? See, when we're in conflict, sometimes we do this. We, we close our hands, we withdraw, we shut down, and we become angry. We may not agree, but you need to listen. You know the number one thing people say to me all the time? No one's hearing my voice. My voice is not heard. My voice doesn't matter. We have to create environments, whether at work or in our families, in our relationships, where everybody's voice matters. We care about what you have to say. Doesn't mean we do everything that everybody says or we agree with everything, but we have to listen. Uh, you know, Stephen Covey, habit number five of seven habits of effective fee- uh, people seek first to understand, then to be understood. James 1.20 says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God, that God desires. But notice what he says be quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, in every uh, uh, communication, let's say I'm standing here and then here's my wife, Debbie. Uh, there's not just two wills, there's three wills. It's the will I have, the will that she has, we're having a discussion. And then there's the will of God in front of us. Notice what James says that the righteousness that God desires would be produced in our relationship. It's not just who's right, it's what's right. Hmm. And sometimes I might say this, I I, want to be right at each other. I want to be right with you. And, and, And God says he wants us to be right with each other, not just right at each other. Does that make sense? Not just right at each other. I knew a guy one time, he says, I just want you to know, Pastor, my wife and I have been going at it, and I've proven myself right. And I said, I'm glad. You can win the fight, the battle, and lose the war. Yeah. His wife was standing right there when he said it. I thought, you are, uh, this is a Latin word, idiot. You are idiot. Really? He wanted the pastor to know that he had proven himself right to his wife. What did he gain? Nada. Not one thing. I think we gain a lot when we say, God, watch this again. I want to be right with my friend, with my spouse, with my grandkids. See, don't be right at each other, but be right with each other. And where do we get that? You know what Jesus said? Love your neighbor as yourself. You want to be heard? Then listen to someone else. 
Love them, listen to them, just like you would want them to listen to you. John 13, 34, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Quick to listen and, quick to listen and, yeah. In any relationship, if the two of you are not right, it does not matter who is right. By the way, you could be right, but if you're not right with God and God's righteousness is not flowing through that relationship, it doesn't matter who's right. That's why in verse 21 of James 1, he says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and what? And humbly. And notice what he's saying here. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Don't you dare get angry. Let God's righteousness work in you and accept the word planted in you which can save you. That word save is not talking about salvation when you die, you go to heaven. It's talking about saving you now. It can save you your leadership. It can save you your family. It can save you your marriage relationship. It can save you your credibility when it comes to your testimony for Jesus. When you're telling somebody, you know, you need to give your life to Christ. He's your Savior and your Lord. And then you're gossiping, you lose your credibility. When you're telling your, your, your spouse, I'm here, like yesterday at, my, at the wedding I performed, no matter what comes your way, you're committed to each other till death do you part. Amen? Yes, amen. You say, I do. Yes, I do. I will. Okay, 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 okay. Put the ring on her finger. Yeah, 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 yeah. By the way, humbly accept that position in that place. Humbly accept the word of God that's planted in you, which can save you, your marriage, your job, your credibility. In any relationship, if the two of you are not right, it does not matter who's right. And that comes from humility, humility. Now, here's what the word accept means. It's not just knowing the word. James later will say, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. Accept it. Live it out. Don't settle for being right. Make things right. Be quick to listen and, and slow to speak. Now, where do we get this from? Where do you think James learned this? His brother. You know, Jesus was a listener for 30 years. The last three years of his life, he's crucified at 33. 30 years, he's listening to culture. He's listening to people. He's absorbing life. And then the last three years, right, about 10%, he speaks. He shares. And even in that, he's listening to people. The woman uh, caught in adultery, we see the standing Jesus becoming the stooping Jesus, getting down to hear her pain and to feel her pain. He's a listener. He even tells us that we can cast all our care upon him because he cares for us. You know what? He's a listener. Hebrews talks about him and says, we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with our infirmities, but he knows our infirmities because in every way he has gone through pain just like we have and, and all the more. And, and he's been misunderstood and, and he's been ridiculed. But yet he says, come to me, come to me. We have a listening Savior. That should just blow our minds. And he's leaning in and wants to hear from us. 
Jesus comes into this world. He's chased out of his own country by a jealous king. He came here speechless as a baby. Come on. He came here. He couldn't even talk. He could cry. I think that Christmas song, no crying he makes to the Lord Jesus, that's a lie because all babies cry if they're healthy. Come on. And for 30 years, he experienced life, and he listened. He experienced life. He experienced life. Slow to speak, quick to listen. And John 7, 46 records, the officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. Isn't that interesting? He listened so he could speak differently, and he got it. By the way, this Jesus invites all of us to come to know him. Not just to to listen to his voice, though that's true, or not just that he'll listen to us, that's true, but that we can ask him to be our Lord and our Savior and give him our lives. Let's be like Jesus in how we communicate. Let me share with you a couple words from a a commentator, F.B. Meyer. He said, Jesus didn't come to make us nicer people. He came to make us new people. He came to make us the kind of people that would get rid of, of, of the moral filth. What's he talking about? The human way of doing life. The human way of communicating. I should try harder to listen, to speak less, to calm down. That's a good sentiment, but it can miss the point entirely. F.B. Meyer says we should try to be communicators like Jesus. And he ended his commentary by saying, your patience, Lord Jesus, is what I need. Your kindness, Lord Jesus, is what I desire. Your love in me, Lord Jesus. And how I listen and how I speak. Your courage, your wisdom, your joy, your compassion, your words. Let us speak with the words that Jesus would speak with. Let us have a tender heart. Let us be ones who are willing to communicate. Don't just shut down on people, but open your heart. Help people understand where you're coming from. Help people know that you're there to listen to them. And hear them. I think listening to someone is the greatest gift we can give them. Our time, certainly our time, but the time to listen, to pay attention, because everybody's, everyone's voice really matters to God. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.